Colossians chapter number 4 as we finish this morning, verses 15 through 18. Colossians chapter number 4, verses 15 through 18. Of course, this is Paul kind of just signing off here. And he says this, Salute the, bro- look, yeah, salute the brethren where it's at Leda Odyssea and Nymphus in the church which is in his house. When this epistle is read among you, cause it that it be read also in the church of Laodiceans that ye likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. And say unto Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. The salutation by the hand of me, Paul, remember my bonds. Grace be with you. Amen. Let's pray this morning. Father, I do pray, Lord, that you would just bless the preaching and the teaching of your word. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us this morning. God, I pray that you'd help us to leave differently than when he came. Lord, I pray that you'd change us, you'd challenge us. Lord, I pray if someone doesn't know you, God, that you would draw them unto yourself. Lord, I pray for those that may be, Lord, struggling a little bit this morning. God, I pray that you would, Lord, just help us to see, God, that your way is the best way. And Lord, that you would, Lord, just work in our lives. Lord, I, I know people, Lord, walk through these doors this morning, many carrying burdens, things going on in their lives. And Lord, may your word and fellowship with your people, Lord, the singing of your praises, may it encourage our hearts this morning. Lord, I love, Lord, our church, and I thank you for it. Lord, thank you for each individual, Lord, that took time today to come in and to worship you. Lord, I pray that you bless the children's classes that are meeting right now, Lord, and to think of our teenagers, Lord, many of them sitting in discipleship right now. God, I pray that you would grow them and help them. Lord, I pray that you would help us this morning. Lord, I pray for the couples, young couples, small group that's going on right now. Lord, I pray that you just bless there. Lord, bless everything that's said and done today. and We'll be careful to give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. Your precious and your holy name we pray. Amen. Paul wrote this epistle as we've studied in, from a prison cell in Rome um, right after the events that we had studied in Acts chapter number 28. There's four letters in the New Testament, maybe five, that he wrote from this same prison cell. And we looked at this uh, just a few weeks ago that Tychicus and Onesimus were here in, in uh, Colossae delivering this letter. And he writes this letter. And I, if you think about this, he's sitting in prison. I don't think that'd be an easy place to write a letter uh, to a church to encourage them. But his heart, as we've seen all through this book, was for these people. The major theme of the book of Colossians as we close this morning, I want to remind you about this. Christ is supremely sovereign and he's supremely sufficient. Maybe put it this way in our terms. We must be reminded as he was reminding the church in Colossae that Jesus is enough. Part of the purpose of this book, the main purpose of it, was to warn this young church against Gnosticism, against liberalism, and against legalism. He spends the first two chapters, as we've seen, about he just nails theology and says, listen, these are the things that matter. Man, that Christ is first, that Christ is the Son of God, that Christ is God. Listen, he, he reminds them that, man, there's some things that we must understand. Christ is supreme. Religion won't work. It never has worked, and it never will work. The only thing that will give us true peace and true joy and the purpose of the church is one name, and it's the name that's above every name, Jesus Christ. He's reminding them of that. But he says this, and we've seen this all through the book, and we're going to talk about this a little bit this morning. It's not just enough to have theology. A lot of people have theology. A lot of people know the book. You know, there's lost people that know the book better than some of us. It's not enough just to have that. It's not enough just to sit in church. And by the way, the Word of God says this, Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. 
You know what that's teaching us? It's not enough just to have knowledge. That knowledge must move us to action. True belief. Guess what it'll do? We're going to do something about it. It's going to move us to action. So he spends, he spends chapters 1 and 2, as we've seen, man, laying out the foundation of, man, a, theo- a theologically rich Christian and a person that knows the Word. But it, chapters 3 and 4, it doesn't stop there. That theology and knowing the Word must move us to action. Man, it, it's the same message that's through the entire Bible that our beliefs will move us to action. Real faith will move us to action. Real faith will will cause us to do something about that which we know. And that's so important for us. Many of us know it. We've heard it. The real question is this morning, what are we doing about it? So the whole theme of this book is this, the Christ-centered life. Living a Christ-centered life. Paul says here in verse number 15, let's work through the text this morning. If you have your Bibles open, look at verse number 15. Salute the brethren which are at Laodicea. Remember, it's a town right down the road. And Memphis, the church which is in his house. So as Paul's closing this letter, remember he had mentioned some of his friends just in the previous couple verses. And now he says, hey... Will you tell the church at Laodicea, will you greet them for me? Will you kind of tell them what's going on? And then he mentions a man here we don't know much about, this man named Nymphus. He says, listen, go, go, to, go to him, greet him and the church that, in his, that is in his house. So at this time, it was common for churches to be meeting in houses. So in a town, you'd have a couple houses, and obviously they weren't big enough to house a whole lot of people. And you'd either have a, 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 a pastor or a bishop that would oversee that specific church and here so he mentions two things right here as he's closing he mentions Laodicea which we know the church at Laodicea is that same church that's mentioned in Revelation chapter number three that's being rebuked y'all remember that church let me read what Revelation says about the church at Laodicea and under the angel of the church of Laodicea is right these things say at the amen the faithful and true witness the beginning of the creation of God and this is what he says about this church in Laodicea I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and am in need of nothing. Man, that sounds like the modern day church if I've ever heard it. Look at this. Knowest not that thou art wretched, miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with thyself, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door, knock. If any man hear my voice, open the door. I will come in to him. And will sup with him, and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame, and sat down with my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. This is interesting. This is why. That passage in Revelation, 
written after the book of Colossians, Paul, had, as you're going to see, had already warned and already tried to minister to this church at Laodicea. He's even going to say in the next verses, hey, I want this letter not only to be read in Colossae, but I want it to go to Laodicea so that they can, be, they can get things right. And they can be the church. And you know, and here's the thing, and just as a side note this morning, the church of Laodicea did not heed the writings of Paul. They did not heed the warnings of John. It says this, I'd rather you be hot or cold than lukewarm. It's interesting. And it even says, this is a strong language in Revelation. It says, listen, if you're not hot or you're not cold and you're lukewarm, it, it, you know what God says? It makes him throw up. That's what it says. Y'all realize that. I think sometimes we read the Bible and we try to make it prettier than it is. It says this, it makes God sick to his stomach. One foot in and one foot out. And this ain't the message this morning, but I want us to think about this. Man, oh, that we would be people that would just be on fire for God in our lives. Man, we'd just be committed. Man, I wonder sometimes in my life if what, if, 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 and I, I understand we live in a grace. I'm just telling you what the Bible says here. It says when, when you're lukewarm, it makes God sick. Church at Laodicea, it's something to think about, isn't it? But that's who he's addressing here. He says, so he says, listen, greet Nymphus and his churches. Greet the church at Laodicea. Look at verse number 16 and look what it says here. Verse number 16. And when this epistle is read among you. So this was common practice even in the Old Testament. If you study the book of Nehemiah in the Old Testament with the Jews, if you study the New Testament, one of the things they would do in these synagogues, one of the things they would do in the early church is literally just read the scriptures. Such an important thing. So basically what would happen with this epistle and this letter is they would read it over and over and over again. So look at it. And when this epistle is read among you, cause that it be read also, look at this, in the church of the Laodiceans, and that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. So he says, listen, this is written to Colossae, but it's also, y'all better pick this up, it's also applicable for the church at Laodicea. You know what that carries the idea of? Yes, it's written to Colossians, and yes, it's written to Colossae, but it's also applicable for, for, for all churches. Having a proper theology, and taking that theology, and putting it in to practice. He says this, spread that letter. <laughs> Man, don't just keep it in here. We need to be preaching it out there. That's what Paul was saying here. Look at verse number 17. And say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. So again, he's encouraging somebody. And I want us to think here. Paul is, where is he sitting? He's sitting in this prison cell. And here he is once again, encouraging two churches, and now encouraging another preacher to take care of his ministry he encourages us and look at verse 18 the salutations by the hand of me Paul what that means is basically this I'm the one who is writing this letter okay he says listen my hand is writing this and look what he says remember my bonds he's saying this remember I'm in prison man don't forget I've written you all this stuff that I've just told you and I wasn't in the best of circumstances I wasn't on the mountaintop. And how many times have you heard me say from behind this pulpit, we find out who we are not when we're on the mountaintop, but when we're in the valley, but we're in the prison cell. Paul's reminding them, listen, I've just given you a theology lesson, and I've just preached a sermon about a Christ-centered life, and I've ripped you about having a Christ-centered home, and I've ripped you about having a Christ-centered marriage, and I've encouraged you to be faithful to church, and I've warned the church at layout, and I did all this... Well, I'm sitting in shackles, and I'm sitting in chains. That's a pretty awesome thing to think about, isn't it? 
that Paul had that type of mindset. Even in the darkest place you can imagine. And these prisons that they're sitting in, they ain't like our American prison country club. Somebody help me this morning. These are cold, wet, dark, vile, disgusting places. Yet he takes this time to write four letters to four different churches. Man, that's an amazing testimony of a man. Going through the trials and staying faithful. Man, he's in this letter, if you remember all the way back in chapter number one, what did he start out? He started out by preaching on the preeminence of Christ. That Christ is first. Y'all remember that? Man, that Christ always has been and always will be. Man, he, he, te- he teaches the church here, and these are some major themes through this book, that our identity is found in Christ. Man, he, he teaches the church and reminds them in chapter number, number three that the, the local church is the plan for, for believers. Man, to reject the church is to reject Christ's very bride. Man, the church is God's plan. Man, Jesus is enough. We've already talked about that. If you remember, he even reminds them some important things that baptism is one of the ordinances of the church. Baptism by immersion is a church ordinance. Man, he reminds us that we are complete in Christ. And then as we've seen for the last few months that we are to be Christ-centered individuals, Christ-centered families. We are to be Christ-centered in our workplace. If you remember the one text we looked in chapter number three, y'all remember he said there's some things that we should put off. And shouldn't be named among us. Then he said there's some things that we should put on. He said let the word of Christ dwell in us. Man, he, he said that we need to understand. Remember as we taught on Tychicus and Onesimus that God can use anybody. He used this Christian that had been a Christian his entire life. But then he also used this, this, this employee that had quit and that was a thief and that was a felon. And, and aren't you thankful this morning that God can use anybody? I am. He's reminding the church of that. And then we saw last two weeks ago that, man, we all need good relationships and we all need good friendships in our lives. We're not meant to live this life alone. Listen, we need each other in the church. We need other people praying for us. Man, we need other people encouraging us. Man, we need the fellowship of God's people. Man, three final things that I just want to give us as we close out this book this morning that can encompass this entire book. And I just want to talk to us this morning about these. Uh, Some final words, if you will, this morning as we close out the book of Colossians. Some things I've learned from Paul on these last 20 messages that we've looked at. And the first one is this, that I learned from Paul, is we must learn to care about others and their ministries. We must learn to care about others and their ministries. Paul, sitting in this prison cell, writes letters to four churches. One of them, the book of Colossae, he had never even been to this town. He had a genuine concern for other ministries and for these relationships. He mentions here at the end, these last ten verses, you know what he does? He gives a list of people that he's close to, people that he loves. And you know what he does? He decides that he's going to be an encouragement to them. Now, I started thinking about this this week. And, man, aren't you thankful? if, If God's placed some people in your life who are an encouragement to you, aren't you thankful for them? I am. But sometimes encouragement can come from the most unlikely places. Think about that. I mean, out of all the people that I think are going to encourage me, it's probably not someone that's sitting in a prison cell. Man, that's impactful. You know what that teaches me? None of us are sitting in prison. You may feel like it this morning. Somebody help me. None of us are sitting in prison this morning. And you know God's placed people in your lives, in my life, that we just need to simply be an encouragement to. 
You know, one of the things that we've lost in our day, but due to social media and due to the digital age and due to, due to instant communication is this, simply taking out a pen and a piece of paper and writing a handwritten note. You know, that's what Paul did. He's writing a handwritten note to the church at Colossae. You know, one of the most encouraging things you can do is to take out a pen and a piece of paper and actually just write a note to someone, tell them you love them, tell them you're praying for them. I mean, I haven't, uh, I think Stuart moved it to storage because my office was getting too cluttered. But if you were to walk into my office a few years ago, there would have been a notebook in there about that thick. And it was full of letters, page after page of letters from my wife when we were dating 20-something years ago. And I would go in and I would read those letters because she don't say that stuff like she used to. Somebody help me this one. And I needed some encouragement. I need some encouragement from that. But you know how precious that is when you when you're open when you open that. I mean, I, every once in a while I have a, a kid in the church that'll bring me a note, and I save all those, and I like reading them because that means somebody took the time to sit down and to think and to take out a pen and to stamp an envelope and to address a letter. Paul had addressed this letter to the church at Colossae to encourage them, to help them. Can I just say this? In the world of instant gratification and communication, one of the greatest things we can do is simply be an encouragement to each other through the pen and, and paper. I know that sounds crazy. But isn't it an awesome thing when you walk out to your mailbox and you, you pull out an envelope and it kind of surprises you and it's from someone and it just simply says, hey, I'm praying for you and I'm thankful for you. I can't tell you how many times, and I systematically write notes, Melanie knows this, every week to preachers and to, to people in church. I do that on purpose. I've been doing it for the last, how, however long I've been in ministry. I do it every week. And I can't tell you how many times somebody will say, and, I, and you know what it's going to say when you open it. Hope you have a good week. I'm praying for you. But I am. And I can't tell you how many times people will text me and say, Jake, you don't know how much that note meant. It came exactly on the right day, exactly the right time. I'm just telling you this. When God lays somebody on your heart, send that text, write that note, make that phone call. God's placed people in your lives. You know, we live in a world full of discouragement, don't we? Would you all agree with that? I mean, it's bad news everywhere. I mean, I don't even turn on the news. Some, and by the way, some of y'all need to turn off the news. I don't even turn off. We canceled. I used to be a Fox News junkie. Is anybody else like that? Like when I got home, Fox News was on. When I got in my car, I had satellite radio. And guess what was on there when I got on there? Fox News. You know what I found myself being a miserable jerk? Seriously. Because that's all I was hearing is negativity. Can I tell you the Bible ain't bad news? It's good news. And as believers, listen, we should be, turn the stinking news off. And be an encouragement to somebody. Some of us get so upset. I was thinking about this this week. We're, Christians walk around. We're so discouraged. Oh, the world's going to hell. Nothing good's happening. Blah, blah, blah. Hey, I just want to remind you something. I've read the back of the book. He wins. There's a, he's still on the throne. Nothing that happens in this world surprises him. Why are we running around like a bunch of doomsdayers? You ever think about that? Y'all understand that? For us, all the bad news is good news because it means we're close to getting out of here. I know this sounds old-fashioned, and some of you want to argue with me about it, but I still believe the trumpet's going to sound, and we're going to be in his presence one day. And he's going to make all things right. He earth ain't going to heaven. Can I tell you what's going to end up happening? Heaven is coming to earth, if you know your Bible. That's what's going to happen. And I look forward to that day. Be an encouragement to people. Christians, you know, we're the only group sometimes that kills their own, kicks their own when they're down. I got preacher friend right now. He preached here last night. He's got a target on his back. People running him down every day of his life. I'm talking about every day of his life. He's just trying to make it. He's just trying to serve the Lord the best he knows how. 
You know what I decided a long time ago? I'm not going to try to make enemies out of other preachers. I want to encourage them. They ain't competition. Other Christians in your life is the same way. Man, be an encouragement to them. If you see someone else being blessed, instead of getting jealous, cheer them on. Praise the Lord for them. Man, thank God for them. We must care about others and their ministries, guys. I want to encourage you to do that. When you're having a bad week, you know one of the best things you can do, and I've learned this. Does anybody else ever have a bad day? Okay. We, <laughs> Has anybody else ever had a bad day? Okay. You know what I found? I have a lot of them, and I'm pretty good at covering it up. Typically, you're going to see me pretty much the same. We're going to be laughing around. But I have bad days. And you know what I found? What I've got to do when I have those bad days, when, how God ministers to me, I'm just telling you, when I go minister to someone else, guess what ends up happening? And I, I've shared this with you guys before. When I, and there's times I don't want to. I had to go by the hospital a couple times this week. I didn't want to get out of my truck. Just being honest with you. I hate hospitals. Somebody help me this morning. I hate them. They stink. They make you put on a mask. All that mess. I hate them. But I'll go in there sometimes, and I don't want to be there. I'll go in to try to just pray with somebody. And I go in with a bad attitude. You know, and you know what ends up happening by the time I leave that place most of the time? I walk out of there, man, and I'm so stinking encouraged. So I just want to tell you, if you're having a bad day, if you're going through something, encourage and minister to someone else. And you know what a natural byproduct of that is? God will minister to your heart. Remember when we went to, where did we build those clothing, cleaning stuff for them kids? Jamaica. We went to Jamaica. And that sounds awesome. No, this was not awesome. If you get to Jamaica and you ever go off of a resort area, I'm telling you, it's one of the worst places you'll ever be in your life. We were on a, a, a deaf school, and we went there, and I think I'm going to be super Christian on this mission trip. You know, we're going to change these kids' lives. We're giving them Super Bowl t-shirts from the team that didn't win. You know, I, I think we're just going to be a blessing, <laughs> saving the world. We get over there, you know, and, you know, we're just, you know, we're just, Ameri- we're just Americans. You know, you know how we are. And we think we're just, you know, doing all of this. And, man, I, I go over there just to think we're going to be a blessing to those kids. I'll tell you, every time I go on one of those, you know what ends up happening? God breaks me. And those kids, man, I'll sit in those worship services with them. They have nothing. You know what they eat? This ain't a joke. This is what they eat every meal. Rice and beans. Sometimes at supper, they'll have a little bit of chicken thrown on there. Jerk chicken. I, was, I couldn't eat no more jerk chicken, my Lord. Terrible. That's all they have. And then we'd go into worship service. They didn't have no AC. <laughs> they smiled. They worshiped God. They didn't have no cell phones. Didn't have no cable television. Didn't have no carpet on the floor. Concrete floor. I mean, they would sing and they would worship. And you know what ended up happening? I'd be in there. I'd be broken. Because God would remind me how good he's been to me. And when I would go to minister to someone else every single time, he ends up ministering to me. Maybe part of the reason Paul sitting in a prison cell and began to minister from that cell is because he had learned that truth. Life ain't all about me. And when I make it about others, guess what? God will bless me. Maybe think about that today. Maybe you're miserable this morning because you're not ministering to anyone. You're not loving anyone. You're not encouraging anyone. You're not, you, everybody's hurting in some way. A kind word in the world we live in, man, we'll go so far with people. Just being nice being an encouragement, man, will be such a blessing. Paul does that in all of his letters. He lists people and he encourages them. He's writing to them. The second thing that I notice in these final words as we close the book of Colossians is this. We must be committed to biblical doctrine. 
the purpose of this letter was to make sure that they didn't get swayed by the Gnosticism, which basically means like you're walking down a salad bar of religion and you just take what you want. By liberalism, which means you take away from the Word of God. By legalism, which means you add to the Word of God. That's what Paul's warning them about. We are living in a day where craziness abounds when it comes to Scripture and when it comes to the church. People arguing and worrying about things that don't even matter. Second Timothy, as Paul's writing to the young preacher, says this, but foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strife. You know, there's some hills worth dying on, but not most hills. As Christians, we fight over the dumbest stuff. We separate over the dumbest thing in the world. Man, those, that theology in chapters 1 and 2 should lead us to practice biblical theology. Listen, it ain't just going to cause us to have conversations and to argue and to talk about dumb stuff. It's gonna, if you really believe, you know what it will eventually do. It's going to change your home. It's going to change your habits. It will change our church. It will change us in the workplace. Man, Bible doctrine. Stay in with it. And then thirdly, here's the message this morning. The one thing I take from Paul, from the whole, most of his writings in the New Testament, is this. We must be committed to the gospel. You say, Jake, what do you mean by that? I'll tell you. You know, what John, you know what Paul's ministry was? You know what he was doing going town to town? Same thing that Jesus did. Winning souls. Being a witness. Telling people about the glorious grace of Jesus Christ. And I'll hear people say, well, what if they... You know, God's only going to save the elected. How come the more we nominate, the more get elected? Somebody help me this morning. You never see anybody saved in your life? Maybe it's because you're never witnessing. I'm just telling you, eventually, if you share Jesus and you share the gospel, I'm just telling you, eventually somebody's going to trust Christ in your life. Could you imagine if all of us witnessed to one person every day? Just told them about, listen, let me tell you what Jesus did in my life. Let me tell you how about how he saved me. Aren't y'all thankful you're saved this morning? I am. Man, I don't deserve it. Man, I was thinking, uh, Brother Steve, who was here last night, my dearest friends of the world, on his way home last night, he's at a gas station. Starts talking to a young man, leads him to the Lord right there at the gas station. You say, I don't believe that. Gag a maggot, man, if that kid shows up. Does everybody track with me? It's easy to criticize somebody doing something that we ain't willing to do. Everybody that I know that criticizes people for sharing the gospel ain't sharing it. I'm just being honest with you. Being honest, I've shared the story. I was with Harold Sane. Many of you know him in the middle of a dove field a few years ago. We're killing, we're trying to kill doves. <laughs> Somebody help me. Bunch of people around. Old Harold gets these boys around. Rough, rough crowd we were with. I'm being honest. Some rough dudes. Harold, if you know him, he don't care. He says, boys, one day I was, I used to be an alcoholic and I used to do this and my life was not. We're right there in the middle and I'm getting nervous. <laughs> Somebody help. He's like, I was, I was, I was all this. And he, and if you know Harold, it's the truth. He said, but I'm telling you, God saved me, and he changed my life. And you can see the look on these guys' faces. They had nobody ever talked to them like that. They got tears running down their face here in the Bible Belt. Do you know there's people all around us that are searching for something right now? They're searching for something. And you know what it is? You know why there's a hole in people's hearts? You know why we live in a confused world? Transgenderism isn't the problem in this world. It's not. You know what the problem is? They don't know Jesus. It's real easy to start pointing fingers. Man, liberalism isn't the problem in this world. The problem is, it, let me just say it this way, and then we're going to get out of here this morning if we have anybody that ain't mad at me yet. 
The problem in this world, I believe a lot of the problems in this world aren't solved when we're preaching against what's going on out there. You know it's cheap shots for me to get up and just preach against all the stuff that's going out there. You know where the problem starts? It starts in the house of God. Judgment begins at the house of God. I wonder if we were doing what God's called us to do if we'd be in the mess that we're in. Go ye therefore. Preach. Is everybody trying to meet Matthew 28? His last words. I wonder how many of us are being disobedient. Paul, sitting in prison, guess what he was doing? Preaching the gospel. Remember at the midnight hour when him and Silas were in there? What did they do? They're in jail, singing praises. They're preaching the gospel. Man, the thing that we can take away from the Bible and from the New Testament and from Paul's life is this. There's a lot of things that you and I can't do. Not everybody can preach a sermon. I get it. Not everybody's been blessed with a gift like Matt Baker to get up and sing. Not everybody can do that. Not everybody can lead a ministry and organize. Not everybody can play a guitar like Steve or Jason. Or not everybody can, you know, work in, Not everybody has the talent to do graphics. And, but I, can I tell you something that all of us can do? And it's simple and it's easy. Is this tell people what God's done in our lives? The fact that we were separated from God because of our sin, but God loved us. And is everybody tracking me here? Man, that's awesome. There are people in your life right now. That God's place there. Hey, that person that you, you passed at work this week in the hallway, maybe God just put them in your life so that you could tell them what God's done. How many times, and I'm guilt, so guilty of this, do I miss an opportunity? And I'm not saying, I don't like, you don't go up to them and say, hey, if you were to die right now, you know if you're going to heaven or hell. I'm running if somebody does that. Somebody help me because they're about to kill me. That's what I'm thinking. But I wonder how many times we have conversations with people at work and we've had them for years and we never one time have just said, hey, do you go to church anywhere? And that opens the door. Well, you do. Do you know the Lord? Man, do you, do you know what would happen if you were to pass away today? Man, do you know that Jesus loves you? You know, that's what true, genuine care and love is. It's caring about the souls of men. It's caring about other people. Paul spent his life in the prison cell and getting beat in the streets for one reason. Guess what that one reason was? For sharing the gospel. For telling people that Jesus saves and He's coming again. That's what His life is all about. You know, you can do that in your life. That's what our lives should be about. That's what the Christ-centered life is all about. You say, I don't believe that. Well, here's the thing. If you fill yourself up with the Word of God in relationship with Jesus, it's a natural byproduct. Guess what's going to come out? The Word of God and your relationship with Jesus. Man, just think about that as we go this morning. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Let's stand our feet. Altars open. There'll be some counselors down here. If you don't know the Lord, and they'd love to take a Bible and show you how you can know for sure. As Matt sings this morning, let's make decisions for Christ. Maybe there's someone in your life that you need to pray for that doesn't know Jesus. Maybe you need to be a better witness in your life and tell people about what God's done for you. Matt's going to sing. Think about it this morning. Finding my sin.